Unspoken Issues. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Unspoken Issues podcast. Going back to 1992, June through September of 1992, as a matter of fact. And we're going to be talking Sleepwalker. Chris Armstrong's here. Are you ready to talk some Sleepwalker tonight? For sure. Been waiting to talk Sleepwalker on this uh, here podcast for a while. Yeah, all right. Uh, and the man I know loves Sleepwalker the most out of everybody that I know, his name is Evan Bevins. Evan Bevins, are you ready to talk Sleepwalker tonight? Jesse, when Sleepwalker's on the docket, Evan isn't too far away. <laughs> First off, admittedly have a bit of a blind spot uh, for the adventures of Sleepwalker, especially in the 90s. We yeah, just... Blind spot's Daredevil's sidekick. <laughs> I got... I got one issue of Sleepwalker, that was issue number three. We just covered, we were just talking about that before we went on air. I, I knew about the character, but I don't know much of what, uh, what kind of adventures slash misadventures he got into in the 90s. So, uh, Evan, the first thing that we have to do before we get into anything else is you've got to introduce this character, Sleepwalker. Well, Sleepwalker is, or at least claims to be, sort of a, a policeman in the in the mindscape, protects the dimension that borders the minds of all intelligent beings. And somehow, and you'll have to forgive me, it's been a while since I read it, but through some misadventure, I believe involving a villain named Cobweb, he ended up trapped in the mind of one particular human, a college student and apartment building superintendent named Rick Sheridan. <laughs> And but the way it works, which is a, a very uh, fun concept, is Sleepwalker only comes out when Rick's asleep. Okay. And consequently, when Rick wakes up, uh, Sleepwalker is drawn back into his mind, which can be inconvenient if you're uh, pursuing a villain or, you know, right. fighting, uh, fighting crime or, you know, just trying to uh, go about. Go about yeah. whatever it is a denizen of the mindscape does uh, in New York City late at night. Eating, eating his dinner. Could you imagine yeah. that? That would, that would stink. Yeah. They finally put him in the uh, the game Hero Clicks a while back, and there's actually a uh, mechanic where I don't know if it's every turn, but every so often you have to roll a die, and if you roll like a one or something, Rick wakes up, and you have to yoink Sleepwalker back to the starting area. On oh. The map. <laughs> Nice mechanic. That's so nice. um yeah, le leading up to this, I mean, Sleepwalker had done. A lot of the things new new heroes in the 90s did. He teamed up with Spider-Man. I think that's the first issue I got is one where uh, Sleepwalker's on the cover wearing a Spider-Man costume and uh, like you know, pushing past Spider-Man to fight some crime. I believe they rescued a group of models that were abducted from a fashion show uh, to hold <laughs> their uh, their outfits for ransom. But uh, and, and Sleepwalker used his warp beam. That uh, pink beam that kind of comes out of his head is called a warp beam, and it can manipulate matter and twist things around. Not really supposed okay. to use it on living things, though. Uh, Sleepwalker's very strong, and he can kind of kind of levitate. It's a bit creepy looking. Has some folks unsettled, including a guy we'll meet in these pages, uh, Tolliver Smith of the mm. Office of Insufficient Evidence, which is a great name that I, I no, forgot <laughs> forgot about that. But um, yeah, so Sleepwalker had teamed up with different characters. He fought a group of villains called the Chain Gang in the Infinity Gauntlet. He, he was one of the heroes, like, kind of, you know, trying to hold things together on Earth while all that was going on, although um, he, he kind of forgot about that. Um, he ended up teaming up and fighting with Deathlock and Ghost Rider. 
Tolliver Smith and his folks uh, seem to think uh, Sleepwalker's a clear and present danger, and that, that comes into play here. But he, he's an alien who's uh, feared and misunderstood and uh, is uh, trapped uh, away from home. Okay. Created by Bob Budiansky. Just looking him up because I mostly associated him with... Uh, with Sleepwalker, he actually wrote a lot of the Transformers comics for Marvel, and I think um, contributed to a lot of like the um, character bios on the packages. So he, oh. he had a lot to do with the uh, the Transformers mythos. And if I'm not mistaken, at BotCon 2010, Hasbro named Budiansky as one of the first four human inductees in the Transformers Hall of Fame. Wow, that's wow. pretty cool. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, a little Bob Budiansky trivia for you. <laughs> I'll remember that as a matter of fact. Well, I, I, I just I just didn't want to add to my collection of moments on these podcasts where you're like, Evan, what do you know about this guy? And I'm like, I, I don't know. And I've never heard of the Internet. So um. <laughs> Brett Blevins also credited as uh co-creator i assume uh with uh, of sleepwalker you know much about brett blevins i i'm f familiar with the name I, it's it's pretty much credited straight to budiansky but i know blevins drew all these i'm i'm pretty it. sure after sleepwalker he did ghost rider for a while briefly at least okay uh, and i think he did some batman stuff in the 90s yeah yeah a lot of batman in the 90s yeah he he's near and dear to my heart because he designed prime for the Ultraverse. Oh, oh there although you go. He wasn't, although he never worked on any of the Ultraverse books, he is credited as like the as the guy who designed Prime's like costume and his look and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And he did. Um, he did. Let's see, about over a dozen issues of Sleepwalker. Mm. So yeah, he did ten of the first eleven issues. Well, fifteen of the first seventeen issues. So okay, yeah, I was just going through here the Ghost Rider issues you're talking about there, Chris, thirty two through thirty seven, nineteen ninety two through nineteen ninety three. Yeah, it looks like he definitely late eighties uh, through the nineties. He's got some books. Looks like I mean a nice little resume underneath him here. Um, I noticed that uh, Sleepwalker's first appearance was in Sleepwalker number one, April of nineteen ninety one. So this is one of those cases where the uh, character was created and introduced in its own uh, in its first issue. Yeah, it uh, seems like. You know, Sleepwalker and, you know, Darkhawk, who we covered, you know, kind of recently, they were kind of part of a wave at Marvel in the early 90s where they were just producing so many new titles and they were just kind of like New Warriors uh, mm -hmm. was a book that got, uh, which they had appeared, I think, in Thor, but uh, yeah. New Warriors was kind of uh, brought along in the same, you know, time frame. Like Marvel was just putting a lot of new characters out in, in the early 90s. That's one reason Sleepwalker and Darkhawk appealed to me is like, I mean, as much as I love, you know, Spider-Man and the X-Men and the Hulk and stuff like that, these were guys that, you know, were like been created in my in my lifetime. I could get in on the, well, maybe not the, the ground floor, but pretty darn close. You know? <laughs> yeah, I, that, I'm the same way, like with a lot of those early, early 90s Marvel characters. And then when Image and Ultraverse came along, like, well, hey, these are all new, you know, creations that uh, I can kind of kind of grow with <laughs> instead of reading just the stuff from you know that's been around since the 40s 50s 60s you mentioned rick sheridan again college student a maintenance man at this apartment complex anything else about rick sheridan that kind of sets him apart uh outside of the marvel u or anything that you have that uh kind of adds to who rick sheridan is there i mean other than he uh he just got dumped by his girlfriend Alyssa. When we talked about Darkhawk a while back, we talked about kind of the the soap opera supporting cast and Sleepwalkers a, a lot like that. He he's got his own story that just kind of links in with with the Marvel universe, but but can also you know stand on his own too. 
Yeah, the the only other trivia about Rick Sheridan is I I was just looking up. There's a supporting character in Invincible named Rick <laughs> Sheridan, and uh, I, I was trying to figure that out because Robert Kirkman actually tried to uh, revive Sleepwalker at Marvel um, in the early 2000s. He just did a single issue when Marvel was going to bring back its epic imprint, and nothing really came of it. It just ended up in a one shot that had a couple different stories. But then uh, yeah, I was reading Invincible, and I'm like, wait, Rick Sheridan? That sounds familiar. Yeah. Uh, the mindscape. So that, there's two settings pretty much that happen throughout this book. There's going to be Earth. And we're all kind of familiar with that. So we kind of know what's getting Been there. On, done what's, that. Yep. Yep. We kind of know what's going on there. But the mindscape is a little bit different. So, Evan, tell the people what the mindscape is. I mean, it, it's, do your best to kind of try well, to describe that. A lot of the mindscape we'll see here is actually specifically in, in Rick's mind. My, my understanding of the mindscape in, in Marvel is it's like, I think of it, and may, maybe I'm wrong on this, but I think of it kind of like as, as the astral plane. Kind of, It's a different plane of existence that's accessible th through the mind, and that, that's where Sleepwalker's from, is the mindscape, but he, he can't get out of Rick's mind. Chris, tell me about, I mean, when, when did you find Sleepwalker? Were you reading this off the shelf? Tell me what was going on back then and made you gravitate. You wanted to talk Sleepwalker. You said you've been wanting to do this for a while. So, <laughs> hey, what, what, why? Tell me why. I mean, Sleepwalker is just kind of, to me, a classic Marvel '90s character. Him and uh, Darkhawk, especially. I, I, um, I think my first Darkhawk issue was number two, and then I was off to the races on Darkhawk, and then later I got an issue number one to fill in that gap there. But I was on Sleepwalker from the first issue. I, I picked it up. I thought. It just, I remember thinking like the character was so weird looking you know, mm -hmm. on the cover yeah. of that first issue. Those were two of my favorite characters, you know, in, in the early days of me collecting comics. Uh, and I stuck with Sleepwalker probably up through the around the time the storyline ended. I think that might I might have been a victim of um, the uh, the Hux convenience store where I bought a lot of my comics, uh, yeah. maybe stopped carrying it. So I didn't really keep up with Sleepwalker much past this. But yeah, I really like the character, the concept, and uh, just such a weird looking. Uh, superhero and kind of an off the wall kind of a uh, status quo for for a comic book. Yeah, I mean he definitely very much looks like an alien. Uh, mm -hmm. He's got the green face. He's got the red eyes. Cool costume. No nose. No nose. Yeah, no. <laughs> he has completely absent of a nose. Got a purple purple gloves, purple boots, uh, blue suit. Um, what looks to be a purple. Uh, we'll call that. Is that a cowl? Is that a good or a cloak? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I'd say so. Okay. Or a hood. Hood. Yep. 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 So, yeah, he definitely has a very, very interesting appearance. I mean, Evan, I don't know if you said this or not, but like, I mean, were you at, at the beginning Sleepwalker number one forward or did you come into the middle of the series? No, I my first issue was the one I was talking about earlier with um with Spider-Man where Sleepwalker was That's wearing right. Spider-Man's costume. I don't remember. I, I mean, just the fact that it, that it looked cool. I, I mean, I, I think I'd seen Sleepwalker here and there, but I stayed with it probably up to the early twenties. I don't, I don't, I know he had a like a hollow foil chromium cover number twenty five because <laughs> it was the the nineties. I I think I got that, but I I don't, and I I don't remember why. If it was just a, a budget thing or or what, I did. This was one of the first series I went back and actually like completed I mean, in college, and then right after I would I would raid the dollar bins and stuff, and I I eventually got all uh, all thirty three issues. Yeah, uh, I'm looking at issue number two. Uh, that's the one with is it eight ball? Yeah, oh, <laughs> love eight ball. The, the Sleepwalker Rogues Gallery is unlike any other. Right? Yeah. The Chain um, Gang Lullaby. 
eight yep. ball and, and for for people just listening eight ball has a black and white costume his helmet is a like a, a billiard ball eight ball and he flies around on a large flying eight ball and has a uh, was it a kinetically charged pool cue that he <laughs> you know hits people with and pushes them back now isn't his, in the 90s isn't his, involved kinetic energy isn't his vehicle one of those the rack Whatever you use to rack the balls on you, a pool. Well, that's I don't a, remember that. I'm going to have to. It, it should be. I am, I am immediately looking right now. Eight ball. If, it, if it's not, Bob Budiansky's kicking himself. <laughs> yeah, I want to say it was like a triangle shaped, like it's a, like a, a, a pool rack. And he, uh, he still pops up every once in a while. Like, I, I think you'll see him in the bar with no name occasionally. Mm-hmm. Apparently, there's okay. been two eight balls. One, or possibly three. I'm 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 googling. I'm going down a Marvel <laughs> Wiki uh, rabbit we, hole. You need right to head now. to fandom marvelfandom.com and see what we got going on. Inter- when we yeah. wrap up, we need to discuss the uh, the fan film as well. The, before oh, we, I, I haven't watched that. I haven't either. <laughs> okay, I didn't even know one existed. Yeah, uh, I don't know if they finished it yet or not, but they they have worked on it. I've seen like like special effects, like trial tests and stuff. Mm-hmm. A-Ball is in it. <laughs> That's what it reminded me. Oh, yeah. He was a Alias professional is... pool player from Minnesota. Sending you guys a photo. Oh, yeah. he's. That's oh, there you go. That is definitely a... And there's, like, people dressed up as... Look at that uh, rack. Those are his henchmen. <laughs> yeah, look at that rack. <laughs> I, that, that was a, still a family yeah. podcast, but... He started gambling as a way to get his mind off his job as a defense contractor and missile propulsion engineer for the Department of Defense. All right. Well, unfortunately, we're not going to be talking much 8-Ball tonight other than that. (laughs) (laughs) Because we're getting into colorblindness. Now, this took place in the issues of uh, issues 13 through 16, cover dates June through September of 1992. Blinded by the light, colorblindness, part one of four, dropped in issue 13, cover dated June of 1992. So, yeah, we just talked about Sleepwalker. Everybody knows who Sleepwalker is. Now we did an introduction to who this character is. Uh, And he's upset because when he is allowed to roam the earth, he is misunderstood in, you know, in in just about every situation, even though he's he's not a a terribly evil guy in any way. Everybody kind of like just assumes that he potentially is a villain. Now, Rick Sheridan has some problems of his own uh, with his ex-girlfriend, Alyssa. Uh, He still has some feelings for her, but uh, she's mixed up with a real D-bag named Whitney who doesn't really treat her well. Uh, one night, Rick goes to sleep, and Sleepwalker appears. While patrolling the streets, he discovers a beautiful array of light emitting from the windows of a lab. It comes from a laboratory where scientists Charles Warren, or C.W. Fong, and Selena are testing a synthetic diamond with strange light powers. Sleepwalker is inexplicably drawn to it, even making friends with the scientists, but disappears as Rick awakens the next day. The next night, Sleepwalker's attraction to the light, specifically uh, that of, and now I said the orange spectrum. Is that what you guys saw? That's that's what I saw. Okay, all right. But Long- it, the the light that shall not be named, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> right. So yeah, his attraction to the light. You know, Sleepwalker's back out. Uh, his attraction to that orange spectrum of the light. Uh, so he goes right back to the laboratory. But the attraction seems to grow stronger. And when Rick awakens, Sleepwalker is returned to Rick's mindscape, where he uncharacteristically demands Rick's subconscious make it so that he can return to the real world. So uh, let me just stop there real quick and paint a picture for everybody. Sleepwalker goes out into the world, and then when he goes back into Rick's head, there is a 
I don't know if I wouldn't call it a guide. It's just basically Rick's subconscious uh, who most of the time we see him is in the form of like a, a, a 11, 12 years old. I don't know how old he is, but he's a young kid. Um, his inner child. Right. Exactly. Sleepwalker's like, I, I need to go back out. I need to get back to this light. You've got to go back to sleep. And at, at that time, uh, you can tell there's a little bit of resistance. Obviously, Mindscape Rick is like, oh, man, I, I don't know if we can do this. But uh, he ends up helping him out by recalling a memory and make, making Rick recall a memory of his like English teacher reading like really boring poetry. <laughs> and so Rick's on this bus and he starts to fall asleep. Uh, so, of course, when he falls asleep, Sleepwalker returns and immediately heads to bask in the orange light of the diamond. Now, in the lab, he has an argument with C.W. Fong, Professor Fong, and heads to the streets. The orange light is now causing to him to hallucinate seeing things that are and are not there. Soon, Sleepwalker lusts for more of the diamond light and heads back to the lab where he foils Selena's plan to steal the diamond with her thief boyfriend. However, when Selena grabs the diamond while the light is still pouring through it, there is an explosion and Selena is turned into a being of rainbow light. Now, we don't get a name for Selena here at the end of this, do we? Uh, I don't think we get that till the next next issue. Next issue, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, like right on the cover, too, if I remember right. Real quick, I'm going to put this out there before I forget. uh, Creative team on this book. We already talked about the writer and the penciler. Inked by Mike Manley. Colors by Marie. I'm going to go with Javins. And lettered by Richard Starkings. So uh, there we go. That is issue one. I mean, right off the bat, I'm getting some drug addiction vibes. There Mm -hmm. is a special message in this here issue of, uh, of Sleepwalker, we're getting around to it, but uh, but well, I'll, it's I'll even st- on, on the cover that I'm I missed until I was just looking at it now. This is Sleepwalker. This is Sleepwalker out of his mind. Ah, uh, right. man. I wonder if the initial pitch for the cover was "This is Sleepwalker on drugs," and yeah, like, can't put that on the cover. This is Sleepwalker on light. I, I have here in my notes: uh, Sleepwalker is to light as Jesse Spano is to caffeine pills. <laughs> <laughs> like like we talked about with uh chris powell and dark hawk a while back R- rick sheridan has a little bit of the peter parker dna and him uh the superhero stuff is messing up his personal life you know when sleepwalker gets his subconscious to put him to sleep he misses his chance to get back together with Alyssa or at least have lunch with her classic uh marvel marvel storytelling there and yeah the uh the drug, uh, the drug metaphor just just gets more more and more obvious. I mean, not not like they're trying to hide it or anything. You you can you can can see where where this is headed. I I don't know if you if you realize that when you're reading through Jesse, but when Sleepwalker starts hallucinating, we do get a great big uh, image of Eight Ball. Yeah, alongside Cobweb and Lullaby and the Chain Gang and. That's right. Yeah, he, it's like his rogues gallery show right up. So eight yeah. ball is in this, uh, <laughs> in, yeah. in a sideways fashion in this issue. But but yeah, it's a. I mean, it, it's it's a fun uh, fun way to, to start off. Just a good uh, good classic uh, classic comic book stuff. Uh, hero unappreciated for for what he does, getting his uh, his alter ego into some trouble. Although usually um, usually uh, the the hero isn't just you know totally getting hopped up on uh, full spectrum light dispersal or whatever, <laughs> some kind of, you know, sciencey terms they, they threw in there. Did Sleepwalker act as aggressively in any of the issues prior to this? Like, I mean, he is obviously 
out of his mind is a great way to put it. But he is, I mean, yelling and screaming at this kid. I don't know if he was doing that in previous issues with, with villains. I, I always had, and like I said, it, it's been a long time since, since I went back and and read this, but I always had the feeling that Sleepwalker was, was kind of reserved. I just wrote about over on, on my blog uh, his appearance in Secret Defenders, and he was kind of prickly with Doctor Strange. And then, mm. of course, the Punisher was cracking dad jokes in it, so I'm not sure how much... <laughs> you know, how, how accurate some of those portrayals were, but uh, yeah, Sleepwalker could, could get a little touchy, but this definitely went in in both directions with him grinning ear to ear over the light. I know Sleepwalker's a hero, but smiling Sleepwalker is a little creepy, so I can see why uh, <laughs> why some people got got freaked out. So he's um, I, I definitely always thought of him as a little more even keeled than this. I wanted to know more <laughs> about this diamond. Like it's I mean, it's just a it's just a diamond. I mean, I'm, it's just a MacGuffin. I think. <sighs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's some crazy stuff going on with this thing. Like, oh, hey, check this out. This can image project this over here through the green spectrum. And oh, yeah, here, this the uh, the orange light here, I, it looks like it's it's orange again, can drill through. The, no, wait a second. Yeah, well, he does yeah, say, they, yeah, this they, orange, they say light, orange in that one. So they do can burn through a solid block of steel. And then this other one, the blue light strips all the heat and it makes everything freeze. I'm, I'm See, like, I thought green was willpower and blue was hope, but oh no, wait, that's DC. Oh, wrong. It, it seemed ahead. to me like the diamond was just like a conduit for like the machinery or whatever. Okay. Oh, and okay. That makes a lot power, more sense. Yeah, but then once it explodes, maybe maybe the the diamond has all those properties within it or something. It's not really explained. It doesn't seem like, but that's no. yeah. I mean, when when Selena grabs it, you know, messing around with science is a good way to get yourself an origin. You'd think Dr. Fong would have had to like watch a video training video or something, maybe a film strip at that point. Right. Chris, what'd you think of the first issue, man? A good start to, uh, to this story. I thought I want to like kind of praise this cover. I think this is my favorite sleepwalker cover. It's, um, it's impactful, dude. Or it's just, you know, a close up of sleepwalkers head and he's just literally ripping his head and, uh, apart and, uh, with like a stark white background. You like it better than the cover where you could punch out your own sleepwalker mask? Um, <laughs> wait, wait, that's the thing. I'm, I'm looking that up right now. I think it's number 19. Oh, um, my, I'm in a cover browser checking it out. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's also <laughs> obviously a classic sleepwalker cover. But just Great for the thing. image, I'm going to go with this one. And really, all of these, uh, uh, all it, all the uh, covers of this storyline are pretty pretty sweet, I think. We talked about Brett, Brett Blevins earlier. I'm actually not a big fan of his art. I think it works really well in Sleepwalker because of how weird a lot of the characters are and a lot of stuff with the mindscape, especially a lot of the stuff in this storyline with him, you know, seeing different things and warping, trying to warp reality. <laughs> but like, I remember when he went over to Ghost Rider, I was reading that at the time too, and I was like, oh no, no. Oh. Uh, I didn't think he fit Ghost Rider well at all. And I, I, I want to say I read some of the Batman books maybe that he had done, too. W was he maybe on those during, like, the um, Night Quest and all that yep. stuff going on? Yep. Yeah, that he was in, uh, he says, one of the main artists for the character during Night's End. Okay, yeah, I, I didn't really like him on on anything really except for, for Sleepwalker, but I do think his art is, like, perfect for this, for this book, so... I'll, yeah. I'll give him credit for that and for Prime. <laughs> yeah. I didn't actually make the mask. I wouldn't deface my comic I, like that. I would, I would have been the same way. I happen to know somebody who did use the mask. Oh, is his name Chris Armstrong? Uh, we'll, 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 I'll get, we'll get to it. <laughs> <laughs>
But yeah, the the um, the only other things I really had for this first issue because it's mostly uh, basically mostly a lot of setup stuff. Uh, I, I do like Evan mentioning this the creepy smile Sleepwalker ends up with. I mean that he should never smile. That's just <laughs> really unsettling. I really like the, the the lettering, especially I noticed in a lot of the these issues whenever Sleepwalker when he raises his voice. They have that really large uh, lettering in the in the large word balloons that uh, really kind of sells all of his emotion with those uh, right. when he gets really angry. Um, yeah, and about the only thing else I really had was Spectra. Great job on the costume design uh, for Spectra. Excellent, really unique costume. Right, right. They make sure. Twelve year old Chris was an even bigger fan of it. I'll tell you that. <laughs> They make sure to uh, cover all the important parts that uh, can keep that Comics Code Authority stamp right on the front. Um, yeah, for anybody who isn't, who's listening, who hasn't actually read this, she's basically nude with some color, like color. Uh, I call it uh, vapor. We'll go with vapor. Of color kind of, yeah, swarming around her, covering up her naughty bits. Right, <laughs> right. And and he he called her Spectra. Uh, that is who Selena becomes after grabbing the diamond. It explodes and she becomes the being named Spectra. Now, they don't name her at the end of the first issue. But I mean, when you get to the cover of the second, it's kind of obvious. Like we're going to have a new a superhero, supervillain. Well, we'll have to find out when we get to the second issue of this. Uh, oh, what'd you send here, Chris? Let me look. Oh, my gosh. That's an even bigger picture. Of the <laughs> of that face, that is a crazy looking mask. That was oh, my wait, profile wait, picture about you? ten years ago. No, I had to click on it, and I was like, I thought it was the cover again. No, I that can't is believe you did that to a comic book, sir. <laughs> that was when I was working at a at the local comic store, and I would a lot of times just like file through the dollar comics and just read you know random stuff and i came across one of those and i was like yeah i'm wearing this mask (laughs) with your original copy of sleepwalker 19 uh bagged and boarded safely oh you know i probably have a copy i'm not certain but i'll bet i do what are we picking panels oh let's do it let's do it uh (laughs) i'll go first let me look i'll go last because uh i forgot we did this (laughs) (laughs) i always forget chris comes through and is like oh yeah we need to do this I'll take the opening splash page. This first uh, splash page kind of brings me back into Sleepwalker. Like, what's he all about? Well, he's there. You get these two characters on the front. You see inner child Rick and you see uh, Sleepwalker kind of going through what appears to be this portal of some sort into the mindscape, which is completely filled with random stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, this looks like, a, you know, a kid's treehouse almost. Uh, he's got a Triceratops toy there, football, basketball, Tom Sawyer's laying there, Tarzan of the apes. And then looks like he's got some Star Wars stuff there. All, yeah. all, all pretty cool. There you go. That's mine. So what, what's yours there, Chris? Uh, I'm going to go with the, the splash page. Uh, it's actually pages 15 and 16. I'm going to go with that middle image of the creepy, super creepy, smiling sleepwalker. Looking kind of like the Joker. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that is disturbing, dude. Good pick. Good pick. You'll get to go first the rest of these rounds because you have all <laughs> your stuff figured out. <laughs> I'm afraid I'm going to take your stuff. Um, all right, Evan Bevins, take a look. Tell me what you think. I, I was I was on that splash page, but if we're going with individual panels, the moment Sleepwalker comes crashing back to reality when he gets the purse to the face um, <laughs> is uh, you, you can you can kind of feel that one. Yeah, yep. I'll go with that. 
All right. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and we will get into issue 14. Uh, this is part two, The Color of Pain. Uh, again, same creative team. Doesn't look like anything's changed here. So as Selena uses her newfound powers as Spectra, she heads to the sky for an escape while Sleepwalker follows. In a seedy part of town, Selena tells her boyfriend he cannot have the diamond as he is a good-for-nothing drug addict, and she is now calling herself Spectra. The sleepwalker finally catches up. She uses all of her powers. Evan, can you give me an idea what kind of power she has? Well, it, it's basically all the um, all the powers of the different colors of light that Dr. Fong was talking about, like uh, red is hot, blue is cold. Let's see, solid light with the force of a battering ram is, is the, the pink one. Okay. And then she makes it razor sharp. It's it's not as well defined um, as as some of them, but I, I know on the cover and then again in the panel you have the the red light is like kind of burning him up, and the blue light is putting ice on him. There are definitely weapons at her mm -hmm. disposal. Uh, using all of her powers against Sleepwalker here. And when Sleepwalker is nearly defeated, he is able to grab a mirror to bounce her powers back at her, giving him an opening. But she soon bathes him in that sweet orange light, leaving <laughs> Sleepwalker euphoric as she makes her escape. Sleepwalker arises and begins to turn the cityscape into something that resembles the mindscape. But then Rick begins to awaken, and Sleepwalker is pulled back into the actual mindscape. Enraged, Sleepwalker begins forcing his way around Rick's mind, attempting to get him to become unconscious again so he may be free. But when he succeeds and rematerializes in the real world, Sleepwalker sees he has made Rick collapse to the ground. Taking Rick to the only person he believes can help, Sleepwalker carries him to Dr. Fong. Meanwhile, at the Office of Insufficient Evidence, Colonel Tolliver Smith gets word they are shutting him down due to some recent events after his hunt for Sleepwalker resulted in some collateral damage. He's told he can continue his search, but must, uh, he must keep it a low profile. So he reaches out to the Thought Police. The next time we see them, the Thought Police are at the door of the Fantastic Four for their assistance. Chris, why don't you do your best to explain who the Thought Police are? They seem to be agents of the, uh, what was it called again? The Office, Office of, of Insufficient Evidence. Evidence. Yeah. But they're basically agents of the government who are supposed to bring in Sleepwalker kind of because this guy's got a, a mat on for him. And one of them is named Wiretap. And he seems to have some electric powers. And then there's Nightstick, who's a big black guy who has uh, these two big, like, I mean, like essentially sticks. two big sticks that come out of, like, these things around his wrist that he clubs people with. <laughs> what was the woman's name? Cuffs. Cuffs. Who, who uses, apparently like, is the female version of the Trapster. Yeah, exactly. She she shoots out this, like, uh, gummy type, sort of like a gummy or bubblegum type substance that like people get entrapped in and stuff like that. Yes, this is the the first of their three appearances. <laughs> wow. The thought they're, police... they're due for a Disney Plus uh, cameo soon, I'm <laughs> sure. <laughs> so Tolliver is now recruiting the thought police and oh my goodness, we end up on the steps of the Fantastic 4. What in the world could we be in for next issue? Well, all right, so we've reached the end of the second issue in this story. I, I like how they set up. Uh, is her name Selena? Is that right? Selena Spectre. Selena Slate. Yeah, yeah. Selena. It's an alliterative name. You, the doctor should have <laughs> known she was going to get powers. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, they kind of set up how her boyfriend is like. 
this is this is Sleepwalker's future. Basically, he's he's a junkie, and now that Selena's got the power, she can finally kind of see like how worthless he is, and she quickly ditches him or whatever. I really like the the Office of Insufficient Evidence. That totally sounds like a a government agency yeah. in a, in a comic book. Like it's perfect. Right. <laughs> uh, right, right. I, I don't know what that actually means or what that office would actually do. I guess they're like, we're going to uh, go after criminals. We don't have any proof that they did anything bad, but we assume that they're evil. Seems uh, like a nastier pretty, version of the X-Files. But yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff in this issue with Blevins doing what I think he's best at, which is showing Sleepwalker, you know, warping a bunch of stuff, trying to recreate the mindscape on Earth. There's especially that one uh, big splash page where he's doing it to like the whole street. And, you know, the the unfortunates on the street there are, like, really impressed <laughs> at, his, at his handiwork. There's so many big, like, splash pages and, like, big panels that, like, it kind of, it kind of, you kind of tear right through it. But right. the, the fight between Spectra and Sleepwalker is really cool. And I like the cover, another really cool cover where it's got Spectra and Sleepwalker, you know, fighting on the cover. And something I didn't notice until I read this again is... She's got the two beams coming out of the diamond and the blue beam. If you look at Sleepwalker, like you can see like oh, yeah. his arm and chest are like frosting over. And then the, the red or orange, whatever other uh, beam is going up toward of where it, uh, like to the top of his head, where his hood is like all that's in flames. So you kind of right. see the, the kind of power she's working with and stuff. Uh, Evan Bevins, tell me about uh, this uh, second issue here. Our second part of this story, color blindness. What are your notes? Well, um, we've got the, uh... There seems to be a drug addiction metaphor happening. Mm. Um, <laughs> even before, yeah, there's definite parallels with her boyfriend, but even uh, as Sleepwalker is is following them, you get this close-up of these two uh, guys down down in the alley, and um, Sleepwalker talks about, uh, she should be easy to find among the wretches that inhabit this wasteland of human misery. And it's like, yeah, that's that's kind of the road you're headed down, buddy. Right. So, yeah, the the fight is, is very cool. You get to see Sleepwalker's uh, powers in action. I don't know what the purple light does, but it seems uh, seems un- unpleasant there. So yeah, that that, that that's a, a, a cool fight going through there. Uh, but Chris is, is right; a lot of cool action, but not not a whole, whole lot to to discuss in in there. Um, I noticed the uh, you know what you were talking about earlier, where he talks about a particular color of light, and I'm still trying to to figure out exactly what the <laughs> what color of light. I was like, what are they? What are they hinting at? What are they not telling us? Uh, you know. was, it, uh, yeah. was it brown light? Is it heroin? Is that what we're going for? Oh, right. right. I, I, I think I'm. I think I'm overthinking it though. Um, and I, I, I joked a little about you know the the drug metaphor, but I mean you know the idea that that Sleepwalker is putting Rick's life in danger right. to get back out there and and get get this light that's uh that, that's you know a, a pretty interesting twist probably wasn't what 12 year old evan was expecting of his heroes to do <laughs> right you know it, it may not be a, a deeply complex story but it you know it's, it's it's telling a good story you got lots of lots of cool action in there the theme of the drug addiction here now one of the things that right as i started reading this i had just finished a show called the corner with my wife now, have mm-hmm. you guys ever heard of the corner i have not Okay. No. Okay. So, uh, have you guys heard of The Wire? I have. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think, so I think Mark mentioned it once. Yeah, he might have. <laughs> <laughs> Mark is absolutely obsessed with The Wire. Well, uh, in prior to the predecessor to The Wire, 
David Simon did a show called The Corner. He also there's also a book called The Corner. And what it is, while The Wire focuses on the uh, police part of trying to address the drug problem, The Corner is a, just a six episode uh, HBO series that released. And it was just focusing on a family dealing with their own drug addiction and their son's involvement with drugs. It is the most depressing thing that I've seen. I'll just say that it's inner city Baltimore. These people, you know, living in there addicted to heroin. Um, You see these people struggle trying to go through rehab and then get out of it. Uh, So I watched that and I legitimately sat down here and started reading this story. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I mean, (laughs) this is a comic book that. Yeah, just like you said, Evan, this is going into kids' hands. You know, 12-year-old Evan gets a hold of Sleepwalker. The problem is, is that this message needs to be told, especially to kids. They need to be yeah. warned about what the what yeah. the dangers well, it, are. It's not inappropriate to kids right. at all. It's a, right. It's, it's a great what a novel concept that kids would read comics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and a good message could be conveyed through yeah. said comic. So, yeah, watching Sleepwalker, like, just ruin the one thing that kind of – I mean, it is – important to his being rick sheridan is probably important to him considering i mean i I don't know if rick sheridan dies i would assume sleepwalker's not going to be just hanging around there anywhere he's going to be affected in some way rather be emotionally or physically he's but he doesn't care you know he's like i need more of that and he destroys potentially destroys everything around him in order to get to it i don't know as far as understanding what drugs do to a person they're getting that across i think pretty well here you know the addiction is something that people struggle with and try to get away from but you know it overtakes them and sleepwalker who knows he's never maybe you know his race there is no drugs there has never been drugs you never know i mean he's obviously overcome by the brilliance of this light and He's not saying, oh, this reminds me of this or this reminds me of that. It's just something brand new to him. It's a brand new sensation, and he wants more, and he's yeah. got to have more. So, I mean, he doesn't even have a nose to snort stuff with. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, okay, Chris, tell me about what your panel is here. Which one you pick? Chris is uh, going to have went, all the good ones, you son of a gun. I went for a more of an understated one this time, All right, uh, which is just page six, uh, panel two which is where he uh, he's trying to find Selena and he uh, sees the light coming out of the window and he kind of warp he uses this warp beam to um, warp the the window and make it large enough where he can actually fit through it. Oh yeah. Uh, I was wondering what in the world he was doing there. It's a warp beam. Oh, true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I had not, no clue what it was called until you guys told me tonight. So. <laughs> yeah, if you I look didn't... at the, the next panel, he, you know, it's actually the window's actually big enough where he can kind of float in there. Okay. All right. That makes a lot more sense. I thought he was like looking, like bringing the building out. But yeah, that makes a lot mm-hmm. more sense. It's the window for crying out loud. Give me that diamond. <laughs> I'm going with uh, on the, the next page from Chris's uh, page seven, panel three. Spectre's trying to stab him with the razor-sharp beams of light, and he uh, warps a wall out. And then, you know, you're you're watching him deflect the light, but uh, he, he ripped out the wall of somebody's apartment, and there's this uh, <laughs> very cartoon-looking, surprised woman just sitting there off to the side, and she almost seems in more detail than, than the rest of the panel. So it's like, I know I'm supposed to be watching Sleepwalker, you know, uh, defending himself, but I'm like, oh, I, yeah, I got to feel bad for that lady. <laughs> She's taking a shower. I don't know if that's. Oh yeah, maybe I, I, I didn't say that. Yeah, but it's like uh, that's. But you know, hey, get, you know, that's uh, 
that may be more uh, attention to the collateral damage of the battle than we saw in the entirety of Man of Steel. Anyway, <laughs> I know, I know. Get over it. It's okay. Sorry, Henry Cavill. You don't. You don't have to get over it. <laughs> <laughs> My panel. Let me take a look here. Let's do the panel where Sleepwalker is potentially ripping apart Rick Sheridan's mind. Yeah. He's got a hold of whatever these mm-hmm. strands are. Like, I mean, the thing is, is that the mindscape is so weird. I have no idea what he's getting a hold of. Like, it's it's is it actually brain matter he's got a, got in his hands, <laughs> or is it some kind of you know, just like you said there earlier, Evan? Is this something that's like a different realm, but it affects him obviously in some way? You have no idea. You just see sleepwalker grabbing and potentially ripping and tearing and it's yeah he's yelling if you have no intention rip (laughs) rip and tear uh if you have no intention of helping me then stay out of my way but i remember reading this as a kid and even now i mean you you can like feel that i mean that's 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 pretty visceral i mean in in the the effect that it's having on rick that's a that's a very effective panel right let's go ahead we'll get into our third part of this story journey to the center of the mind and this uh this was issue sleepwalker number 15 cover dated august of 1992 all right here we go at four freedoms plaza reed richards is helping the thought police attempt to find and bring in sleepwalker by using a machine that will allow them to go into the dimension of the mindscape now i don't know if i put this in my synopsis but just to kind of be clear tolliver is not up front specifically with reed as to what they're doing. So it's not like Tolliver went in and said, Hey, we need to go into this kid's head and bring out this, this alien. He is kind of, I think he spends it by just giving him uh, read the coordinates uh, for this dimension reads like, Oh, okay. All right. Well, I'll follow those coordinates. There you go. So Reed is not intentionally going into Rick's mind. Just, just be aware of that. He's going with them, thinking they're going into another dimension. We'll put it that way. So meanwhile, Sleepwalker continues to battle his addiction to the orange color of light, and he is racked with guilt as we learn that Rick is actually in a coma from Sleepwalker forcing his way out. When Sleepwalker gets word that Rick's condition is worsening, he looks to find a way to make it right and heads to the hospital. Rick's dog, Rambo, licks Rick's cheek boy that's can't say that five times fast (laughs) licks rick's cheek he briefly awakens and sleepwalker goes back into the mindscape where he is met with rick's subconsciousness who tells him that his mind is under attack pointing out richards and the thought police as invaders confronting them the thought police look to detain sleepwalker Uh, Reed is confused as to why the Thought Police are so aggressive battling Sleepwalker and steps in when they say they are going to execute him. Sleepwalker begins to realize their presence is actually causing Rick's mind to deteriorate even further, which causes Reed to see. Now, at that point, that's when Reed realizes, oh, uh, we're actually in somebody's mind, not in another dimension, as Colonel Smith spun it. As Reed tries to have them all returned, wiretap blocks the signal, and only Richards leaves the mindscape. As Rick's mind begins to fall apart, Sleepwalker is sucked into a hole while Reed looks on from the real world, believing that the mind they were just in is no more. And that is the end of our third part of this story. Yeah, a little confusing when when you start off because it doesn't pick up right where where it left off, but, uh, you know, we see that Sleepwalker is a mess, you know, from from his uh, condition coming down off his light high, and um, <laughs> and you know, feeling awful about what he what he he did to to Rick. Love seeing uh, love seeing the thing show up, and you know, he he gets some good li- good lines in, uh, oh, given yeah, uh, 
Tolliver a hard time. Nice to see. Um, maybe the thought police are, are a little overbearing, but you know it's cool to see that um, you know they keep Reed Richards heroic, and you know he's not just following along with with what they're doing. So um, you know, I guess the the overbearing government operative bit is a little cliche, but they they make it they make it work here pretty well. You know they they have a really good use of the uh, the gimmick with you know Sleepwalker disappearing when when Rick's awake. Even though, even though he he's only briefly awake, but you know that they have that where the the cops are coming in to find him, and uh, and Rambo licks his cheek, and he he wakes up long enough for Sleepwalker to disappear. So that's a you know using using that that story element, maybe uh, tweaking it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So and uh, yeah, I, th- I thought it was a really good cliffhanger there at the end. Um, you know with. It looking like like Rick's dead. I mean, as as if we all believe anybody dies in in the comics. But you know, it's like, uh, well, this is where Sleepwalker lives, and if he's in Rick's mind when it shuts down, what the heck's going to happen to him? You know, I, 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 all in all, thought it was a it was a good fun issue. If I was an artist, I probably would have said three issues is all I could do trying to draw wiretap suit. <laughs> <laughs> Because that looks like it had to have been a chore just to try and draw all these little wires surrounding this guy coming off of his arms. And it is one of the craziest actual designs I think I've ever seen. Uh, um, there's been some crazy costume designs, but that is a weird like choice. I understand what they're doing. He's doing it yeah. well. There's, I'm not saying that it's done well, but man, I'm sure that it was. it had to have annoyed him. But then again, he might have just been like, oh, I'll just do a bunch of scribbles. Yeah. And maybe that's why work. the thought police didn't appear more often. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised Wiretap did not get killed at yeah. the uh, end of their third pe- third appearance here. Um, oh, I also wanted to say I, I really do like uh, like Brett Blevins take on the thing. Like, yeah. I think he, he, he draws a great Ben Grimm. And then the, the other thing, and I'm overthinking this. I mean, they're the thought police. They're in somebody's mind, especially because they have to go to Mr. Fantastic for help. Dropping into people's minds can't be what they usually do. So did Tolliver like just come up with this? Like, oh, we're going to call them the thought police or, you know, again, they didn't appear anywhere else. So we don't know. But like if they go on some other mission, does he give them a thematically appropriate team name? Because otherwise it, it makes sense for like this one mission. Right, right. But no, but nowhere else. So, you know, I wonder. They change their names based on the mission they're going into. Yeah. It's like if we're going to look for the Loch Ness Monster or we're going to call them the Lakers or something, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I like that. That's hilarious. One of the things that I don't think they go into it a whole lot, but I mean, it's definitely it's definitely present. Sleepwalker does not like what he's done. He understands that what he has done has endangered the life of somebody that he cares about. A lot of times when you see a, a drug addict, the only thing that you see is the part of somebody who's addicted to that drug. What you don't see is the guilt that this person feels, the fact that they are aware that they are a drug addict. Going through that and uh, obviously uh, acknowledging it and trying to move past it in some way, that's a tough thing to do. Uh, it's probably one of the hardest things to do, as a matter of fact. It's hard to acknowledge that you have a problem and then try to get help for that problem. Mm-hmm. So Sleepwalker going through this, again, kudos to our storytellers here because they're they're doing a fairly decent job of at least getting a lot of the elements of drug addiction into this story. You don't know what's in store for Sleepwalker. From here on out, he may be a drug addict. Oh, let's try it again. From here on out, he might be a light addict. You know, <laughs> he, he, uh, is he going to get past it? We don't know. But obviously, he's again, he's hurt somebody that he loves, and he feels really, really bad about it. Anyway, what are your notes there, Chris? Uh, another cool cover. This is probably the weakest cover of the of these books, but I do like the touch of 
you know, nightstick whacking sleepwalker in the face, and you can actually see blood kind of oh, yeah. flinging yeah. from his mouth. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and it's got all the thought police using their their powers or whatever. But yeah, I like, I like that cover, even though it's probably the weakest one of, of these four. But um, we haven't talked much about the stuff going on with Alyssa, um, Rick's ex-girlfriend. Um, so right. she's got this new guy that she's seeing. He kind of pops up in, in a few of the issues. His name's Whitney. And this guy is like a cow from Titanic level douchebag. Oh, yeah, man. He is <laughs> and, a sleaze ball. Yeah. Uh, so no wonder, like, you know, there's, Alyssa's visiting him in the hospital and he, he's trying to pull her away, you know, because uh, he's double parked. Yeah, and, that's horrible. Uh, I mean, Rick's laying there in a coma. And yeah, he's like, uh, and, come on, Alyssa, I'm double parked downstairs, grabs <laughs> her by the hand. It's like, dude, come on. Yeah. And then he says, say goodbye to the veg head. Yeah, he says you may as well be talking to a block of cement anyway. Oh, my God. He's, he's in a coma. So, yeah, total D-bag. Flash Tell Thompson's me. like, too much, dude, too much. <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. We don't get a resolution to that story in here, if I remember correctly. I don't think uh, so. No. You tell me that this guy gets some kind of comeuppance in this <laughs> in, in this series, right? It happens. You guys I don't remember, remember but that's not the last we see of him. Okay, all right. Well, then that'll keep me reading. Then Evan kind of kind of talked about him already, but the the thought police, those are like some of the great, and there are a lot of them, so they're not you know <laughs> singular, but some of the great like lost villains of the '90s. Those guys who just there were so many comics coming from especially Marvel and DC that pumping out new characters left and right. And a lot of them, like the thought police, they show up in three years of sleepwalker. That's it. They never come back even for a cameo. Like eight ball even shows up in some cameos later in other books. But, but these kind of, these guys are kind of cool characters that I thought probably should. I mean, at some point you would think they would use them again, you know, in some kind of storyline, um, even though they're kind of, you know, generic cheesy uh, villains in their way. You know, the most famous example is probably like the, the Marvel annuals from what was it? 94. Well, oh, like yeah. every annual had a new character debut, and like none of them ever appeared again, except for like Annex. And, oh, I had uh, Annex number Jen one. Svel, maybe the the second Captain Marvel or the third or whatever, the yes. son of the original Captain Marvel. Uh, those were like the only two characters that ever I think appeared again out of all those uh, annuals. At least that's what I'd heard at one point. Uh, but yeah, um, also uh, from the, the Thought Police wiretap. Is this the biggest dweeb that's ever been given superpowers? Oh, oh my gosh. Uh, He's pretty well put together as far as his physique and everything, but like he's got this, you know, orange red hair, and he's got the overbite. It just looks—he looks like Jimmy Olsen's nerdy cousin. <laughs> he does too, man. Like Fashion's I said, Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> what a what a costume design that guy has. Yeah. I mean, it is off the chain. Like so, uh, it, wires on the outside of your suit. All right, I get it. Wire tap. You're good to go, sir. Uh, also, yeah, for Jesse to go to a con cosplaying as Wiretap. <laughs> I would love to do that, man. Uh, I put about 500 hours into this costume and nobody have any idea who I am. <laughs> go up to uh, so Bob Budiansky's table and he's like, who are you supposed to be? <laughs> right. Brett right. Blevins, can I get a picture? Well, why? <laughs> uh, the, the, uh, the only other thing I really had was the... There was a panel where Ben Grimm is talking about how they're about to fade, the mind there is about to fade from existence. And Tolliver, is that the bureaucrat's name? Yeah. In the background, is he supposed to look like Hitler? <laughs> I, was, I had the same thought. <laughs> I, I think there's like it's shading just the under his nose. nose but... It kind of looks like 
a mustache and he's got like a Hitler hair thing going. Yeah, yeah, there it, it's it's a, more than a passing resemblance. Yeah, uh, but yeah, really cool cliffhanger where it basically you know Reed just flat out says that mind is no more and. And uh, Sleepwalker, you know, is, is sucked into oblivion. So so then tell me what you got for a panel there, Chris. Uh, I'm going small again. Uh, page okay. five, panel five, the last panel, which is just Ben Grimm face to face with Tolliver with, with the, the cigarette, you know, right, in his, right up to his nose. Uh, I just like that image of Ben giving him the business a little bit. OK, is it my turn, Evan, or is it yours? Which one? You, you can go ahead. Uh, Armstrong took mine. Uh, uh- <laughs> Uh, well, let's see if I can take your backup. Here we go. You've got the double page spread where Reed and the Thought Police are kind of floating through the ether mm-hmm. of, you know, the mindscape. Bottom right hand corner is Rick Sheridan's younger inner child mm-hmm. who is preparing an attack. And there <laughs> is definitely Gumby oh, in yeah. the back left. <laughs> Now I can, I'm sure that I could probably, if I did a little bit of research, the dude with the three horns on his head, that's probably a reference to something. I know that Reed names like some of these toys, but I, I have a feeling They're, they were fake, but I don't know. Tell me. Or are well, they he, Marvel property? He, he refer, no, he referred to them as Star Warriors. I assumed it was a Star Wars reference that they, they reminded okay. him of Franklin's Star Warriors toys. Uh, yeah, one of them has clearly got a RoboCop helmet as well. Yes. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah, when they're coming panel. in. Right. Yeah, it's the next panel. Um, but yeah, as menacing as that looks, oh, yeah. we got Gumby in the back. That's that's <laughs> a, a shadowy Gumby is about ready to launch an attack on these guys. So there's my panel. What do you got there, Evan? Well, uh, my, my backup was uh, everything starting to come unraveled. Reed and Ben know the thought police are up to no good. And then Sleepwalker makes his dramatic entrance. Uh, too close mm. for you, human. All of you, get out or suffer the consequences. Get out. You just got Sleepwalker, you know, pointing, calling him out. Striking the the hero pose there. Uh, Look at every bit of eight feet tall. Right, dude. He's only seven feet tall, though. I did want to mention one more thing I forgot about in the issue. Uh, When Sleepwalker and the doctor go to visit Rick at the hospital, they they bring Rambo in with them, and the nurse is like, hey, you can't bring that dog in here before she even sees Sleepwalker. (laughs) Oh, right. Sleepwalker's like, please watch Rambo for me, Dr. Fong. I don't want to wish, or I do not wish to break any rules. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, then he just walks back to visit Rick and then the, the nurse calls security or whatever. But like uh, yeah. the doctor and Sleepwalker both are acting like it's totally normal for this seven foot alien <laughs> to be walking through the hospital. <laughs> That's great. All right. OK, well, let's uh, get into our conclusion. The mind is no more. Oh, the title of the next story is Brain Dead. Uh, <laughs> looks like our uh, team stays the same, although. No, no, I, I'm, I'm. I think um, Manly only did the inking on the first two parts. Oh, really? Blevins does. He in the second two parts, Blevins is just listed as artist instead of uh, penciler and then an inker. So I assume Blevins oh, I is inking his own stuff in the last two parts. Yeah, you're right. All right, here we go. So Sleepwalker number number sixteen, cover dated September of 1992. As Rick Sheridan's family looks on, he his his doctor declares him brain dead with little hope of recovery. Inside Rick's mind, cuffs, nightstick, and wiretap are still searching for Sleepwalker, but some unlikely help has arrived in the form of Rick Sheridan, his, I guess, his current self. I, I, I put just current form, but it looks like Rick has come into the mindscape now, or obviously has, it's not his inner child anymore. 
So we'll just put it that way. <laughs> it looks like his present self. Um, hard to explain ethereal stuff like that, but there you go. Sleepwalker explains that he may be responsible for Rick's current state due to the addiction he had to the light. Rick doesn't take this so well and uses his mind to subdue and trap Sleepwalker. Seeing this manifestation of his own mental power, Rick decides to confront the Thought Police on his own and does a good job of doing so until he becomes very tired all of a sudden. That's because Rick's brain is failing. Sleepwalker has to try to escape Rick's traps and finds himself in a part of his mind that is full of junk, but he's able to barely escape and heads to, heads to try to save Rick. When he finds Rick, he hits him, knocking him out and freeing the Thought Police from their restraints. They immediately attack Sleepwalker. However, Sleepwalker is as strong as ever and is able to defeat them, causing Wiretap to pull the plug for the Thought Police to return to the real world, out of Rick's mind. When Rick awakens, Sleepwalker explains that when Rick was using his powers, now when I say awakens, what I mean is when he awakens in the mindscape, Sleepwalker explains that when Rick was using his powers, it was hastening his brain failure, causing more harm than good. Sleepwalker thanks Rick for reaffirming his mission to protect innocence, but tells him he needs to get back to the physical plane. Rick's family is overwrought with joy when Rick awakens out of his coma at the hospital. When the Thought Police materialize in Four Freedoms Plaza, they are about to be clobbered. But what's some slick talking about government protection by Colonel Tolliver Smith, they are able to leave unharmed. Now, I'm not saying this. I'm going to let Chris Armstrong say this. What is the next issue going to be, Chris? Well, it's none other than the long-awaited Darkhawk Sleepwalker crossover. That's right. Spider-Man 2. Um, yeah, Spider-Man also popping in. The first thing I want to ask, Evan, real quick, can mm -hmm. you give me, a, just give me your best, like, idea what in the world, again, the mindscape is so crazy, but Sleepwalker gets thrown into this junk realm that starts getting, like, I'm just going to say... Uh, it's almost like a black hole. Is that probably yeah. a, a decent description? It's, well, and the, the only reason I'm going to be able to explain this is because I just, as I was flipping through, found a page that I totally missed reading. <laughs> the the part where, uh, where Sleepwalker yells, I am being sucked into a whirlpool of junk, that's the stuff that Rick's forgetting. Okay. All right. And so, like, I, there's two girls in there that he went on one date. Uh, that he went on one date each. Uh, nothing particularly memorable, and so they're uh, they're being forgotten. I know artists do this all the time, but somebody gives you a prompt that says, "Okay, I want you to draw somebody forgetting something." <laughs> You're like, "Well, how? What? How? How do I do that?" <laughs> and that's what you get, which is a neat way. And the other thing is, is like you also got to think that Rick's brain trauma is probably causing a lot of this too. Yeah, like you know, his the fact that he's in a coma, his brain is failing. A lot of this stuff is being forgotten because, well, his brain is just dealing with what's going on. Yeah. Um, and I think Sleepwalker ended up in there because he was, you know, trapped in that endless maze of doors. So he rips through the wall between them, which is how he got in this predicament in the first place. But I mean, you right. know, Mindscape uh, isn't exact science, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's still trying to figure it out. Good climax to the story, you know. You get Sleepwalker. Uh, getting all the way back to his, his heroic role, uh, monologuing about why he succumbed to uh, the temptation of, uh, of hard light. 
to begin with, just sort of spell, spelling out the arc of the story. And a, again, if this is something, and it seems like it was aimed at, I mean, maybe not necessarily the youngest kids, but was written, you know, with, with an idea that, that some, you know, preteens or whatever will be reading it, uh, you know, it doesn't, doesn't hurt to maybe maybe spell that out a little bit. The, the cover was was really cool. It set up more of a conflict between Rick and Sleepwalker than uh, than I, I guess we, we really got. Rick kind of acting a little unbalanced there, trying to be the, the action hero type. I will say uh, Rick, action hero patter, could uh, could use some work, uh, you know, <laughs> where, where, where they're, they're blasting him, and he's like, your electrical attack has no effect as long as I'm not grounded, which, first of all, so I guess physics only work in Rick's mind when he, <laughs> when he says, that, which actually makes sense, you know, Wirecat right. blasts him, and he's like, I don't believe it'll hurt me, so it won't. He says, it doesn't work when I'm grounded. You guys, on the other hand, are grounded. To the max. <laughs> to the max, baby. And then there is something about a uh, sleepwalker. I don't know. I mean, comics have long been known for uh, you know having some obvious dialogue, but uh, just yelling, "I am being sucked into a whirlpool of junk." I don't know. That just. I mean, it is an accurate description of what's happening. <laughs> he certainly has every right to be distressed, but I, I don't know. Just the way he chose to describe it. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe he wants Rick to hear him. Um, but I, I did think the stuff with the uh, with the doors when he when he kept you know going through the different doors and was stuck in that part of Rick's mind. I, I thought that was a pretty cool visual. But I mean, it, overall, I I really liked Blevins' art in a lot of this. But this this issue just it it it's it's not as tight. It, uh, I don't know if it feels a little rushed. I mean, as as I always say, anytime I offer any critique of art, it's light years better than anything I could do. But I don't know. Some of it just it doesn't seem quite as. Uh, as tight, even you know the, the the stuff with the thing and read, it just it feels feels kind of rushed. I don't know, not not quite up to the the quality of the other issues. Can we please just take a moment, real quick, on that splash page where he is getting sucked into the whirlpool of junk? Yes, and describe some of the very odd things that are happening on that page. Like I would never ever in my life forget that deer with an arrow going through its mouth into its stomach. <laughs> like that would I will remember that for the rest of my life. Uh, Pinocchio with an elephant nose. And webbed feet, it's like a, an amalgamation of all of the Disney characters. All oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, did, I didn't even notice that one. And I, I'm trying to figure out the kids walking in the cemetery. I'm wondering if that's like a reference to some movie <laughs> or something. It really is just random. Like there's a cheeseburger and fries. All right. I mean, I, yeah, yeah, some of that they put so much detail into it, like the the Pinocchio thing. There's there's got to be more specific references to some of that or like the uh Looks like an action figure with an alien with four arms and a sword and a. That looks actually really familiar for some reason. That's, it has a uh, I think that's one of the Martians from John Carter. Okay. Is it really? Probably in reference to it at the very least. Well, and it looks like down there, um, bottom left over a piece of pizza, it looks like the kid from where the wild things are. Yeah. It's definitely. Did a you guys yellow... mention Astro? Uh, Astro. Astro or... the dog from the oh, Jetsons. Oh, the Jetsons, yeah. He's underneath the Martian there. Yeah. Uh, who, who's the frog? Like, it reminds me of Mr. Toad from Wind of the Willows. What, that's what I'm thinking. Oh, I finally saw. I'm looking on the wrong side of the page. I see Astro down there. How are you going to figure <laughs> Astro? But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, it, it brings the story full circle. You know, Sleepwalker overcomes his addiction and stuff. I just, uh, it feels like it, it wraps up a little quickly, like uh, where Sleepwalker and, and Rick are talking. Rick's like, I I'll try not to be so untrusting of you from now on. And I'm like, he, he did almost kill you. you I mean, you know, <laughs> it's, it's good that you forgive him and recognize that, you know, he's he's seen the error of his ways. But i not really sure this is an equal, oh, hey, we had a misunderstanding, you know. Right, right. Uh, the whole wrapped up pretty quickly thing. I mean, I would like 
ladies and gentlemen, believe it or not, it takes a little bit more to get out of drug addiction than just be shaking it off like old Sleepwalker does. <laughs> they um, did but, say in one of the, and I don't know, I don't know if it was this issue or the one before, but they said something about that Sleepwalker kind of heals when he goes back into Rick's mind or something. He does right, yeah, um, because he's immediately like ready to go as soon as he's back in. So um, that so. that might have uh, sort of explained some of it. Um, I I don't remember. I don't I don't think I put that in my notes, but I remember them saying that, and I thought, well, maybe that's why he. Of course, he was still feeling the effects of it when he came in. So it's more one of those convenient writing things that it's like, okay, this is the story we're telling, but we're not going to have Sleepwalker hooked on light for the the rest of the series, right. whatever. So it, it it was pretty quick, but there's almost maybe a little uh, way to explain that away. Take a retroactive no prize on that one. <laughs> you know, I, I'm being unreasonable and saying, hey, this has got to be, <laughs> you know, he's got to be addicted to drugs from here on out. How oh, you guys aren't yeah. telling a true story. This, uh, this, this story about the alien living in the college student's mind <laughs> is incredibly unrealistic. <laughs> right. As far as the overall story, I had a good time. I got introduced to some characters, the, the some villains that are going to be, well, that are in Sleepwalker. And uh, we got an appearance by Fantastic Four. So the Fantastic Four showed up here, uh, Reed Richards and specifically Ben Grimm, both. Uh, and, and I don't even know, did we see, was, I don't even think Johnny Storm or Invisible Woman were in any panels. Uh, Invisible Woman was in every panel. You just Never mind. Never no. mind. <laughs> no, she uh, she was on the last page of issue 14 when Tolliver showed up, but apparently uh, she had stuff to do. I don't know. Okay. All that right. was that was the only that was the only time we saw her. Yeah, but yeah, who right. knows? Chris, what are your thoughts, man? What's your what's your thoughts on this final one? Again, uh, I like the cover. <laughs> uh, I always like it when we get some word balloons on a cover. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't like it if they did it all the time, but when it's done sparingly, it's always kind of a cool treat. I think. I mean, it never happens anymore. Uh, yeah. The image in the in the the uh, price guide box of Sleepwalker's face, just with the hands all in his mouth and and grabbing at his face, pretty creepy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was interesting that like Rick just turns on a dime as soon as Sleepwalker tells him, you know, what happened, which I mean, it's understandable, I guess, that he would be pretty uh, annoyed that Sleepwalker put him into a coma. Um, right. Uh, you, you guys mentioned the tornado of all the stuff he's uh, forgetting, all the junk. You know, Evan specifically pointed out that graveyard thing. That was the one that really stuck out to me because I, I assume it must be a reference to like, Maybe I've never read it, but maybe it's like something wicked this way comes, or some some famous like kid story or something. Where what would you say the kid in the middle's carrying? Is that a, yeah, is that I, a, like a boombox? It, it looks like either a boombox or maybe like an old recording device or something. Yeah. Ooh. And the other kid, it looks like maybe has like the kid on the right has like a sh- I can't think what you call those. Well, not a shovel, but like a handheld shovel thing. I can't think what those. Oh, a uh, trowel. Spade. Trowel. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that's a reference to something specific or not, but I, that's the one that really stuck out to me when I. If you have a shovel and you're going to a graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what is it's going on shovel. here? <laughs> yeah, it is a tiny little shovel. They're obviously not doing a whole lot of digging. Sleepwalker also has a, a quick moment with a couple of girls that uh, Rick has gone on dates with in the past. And now he's forgot. He's like completely forgotten about them. So, man, Rick must be doing pretty good if like these two hotties are just like, ah, once is enough, and then he just completely forgets about him. <laughs> uh, there was a panel with the doctor. I'm trying to find it now where he he uses the term 
all extents and purposes. Mm. And I was like, that's not a thing. What? <laughs> uh, to the point that I had to look it up to make sure I wasn't crazy. <laughs> and uh, Did he mean all intents? Intents yes, and purposes? Yes, apparently, because I Googled it, and apparently that is like, it's a common uh, corruption of the term intents and purposes. Uh, okay. People sometimes say extents and purposes, but this guy's a doctor. <laughs> Uh, yeah, for all extensive purposes. That is fantastic. And yeah, it's a little disappointing that we don't get any kind of resolution to Spectra. Yeah, we don't see her again after, I guess, the second issue. It's another addition to the rogues gallery. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, but yeah, like like Evan said, she does come back later. I haven't read those issues. I guess she comes back as maybe even a love interest or something. Maybe he he, he falls off the wagon as far as the addiction to the light, but... I yeah, I read that a that, long time ago, but <laughs> yeah, I, th- reading these again has made me want to complete my collection and then actually finally read the entirety of the of the Sleepwalker saga. So uh, maybe I, I'll get to that sooner rather than later. How stoked were you to see next issue, Darkhawk? <laughs> pretty excited. I don't pretty, remember. Pretty excited. <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> remember which issue came out first, Sleepwalker sixteen or. The Darkhawk issue. Actually, I've got that. Let me just check it out right now. Check <laughs> okay. it out. You got Andy? it. Do it. That was issue 19. So the same cover uh, month. But in that issue, Sleepwalker actually pops up on the last page. So I think I, I read knew, the Darkhawk issue first. Yeah, I probably knew about Dark or about the crossover from the Darkhawk issue. Yeah, pretty excited because I that you know those were two of my favorite characters at the time, and they had never you know crossed over both of the sleepwalker and Darkhawk. you know evan mentioned earlier a lot of the guest stars that showed up in sleepwalker the same thing happened in the early dark hawk issues they were constantly throwing in uh guest stars probably to bump sales you know they wanted to throw ghost rider in there punisher because those guys are really popular at the time especially spider-man showed up in both of the <laughs> both of those series early on and so it was cool to see them interact with other superheroes but they'd never been t- t- together so that was really cool and exciting and Think we're gonna do that crossover in a couple of weeks, maybe. It's on the agenda, that's for sure. We gotta, <laughs> yeah, we're definitely gonna nail down a date. And we gotta cover that for sure. All right, it's time to pick a panel. I got page thirteen, the second panel, which is Rick fighting the, the pot police when he uses those uh, str- those yellow thorn str- thorn strands to just warp their bodies uh into rubber basically right so yeah that's it looks extremely painful and would you know probably kill them but they they live so this is like it's in the mindscape man that's right (laughs) this is like some freddy krueger dream warriors type stuff like when these guys take that's kind of the feeling that i get you know it's like the this person's in control of their mind and they could do anything they want which is really cool it's a neat it's actually a great setting for or partial setting for a story because you could do anything you want. Brett Blevins is probably doing, you know, he's saying the same thing. He's like, I can do anything I want here, which is, which is pretty cool. All right. Who, who's first here? Was it me or you, Evan? I think you went first last time, but I, I'm, right. I'm good either way. I've got, I've got two choices. So if you want to go ahead. All right. Or, or, or if not, I've, I've got my clear front runner. If uh, I'm if taking the slap. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was mine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, that is worthy of. I mean, could you imagine like owning the original art for something like that? Uh, I mean, oh, man, it, nice. it, it it would be so sweet. Uh, it's just Sleepwalker backhanding. It doesn't punch, 
I think I said punch earlier. He is backhanding Rick so hard that Rick has actually left his feet and he is flying backwards. Uh, and I mean, sleepwalkers now, granted, he looks, you know, he, he, he definitely didn't, doesn't look as menacing as he did earlier. That panel slaps as the kids. (laughs) Did I do that right? Yeah, sure. I'm editing that out. Yeah. Sleepwalker standing against this yellow background and, uh, backhanding, Rick Sheridan, I'm taking it. What do you got as a backup? Beat that, Evan Bevan. Well, I'm going to have to go with uh, Sleepwalker being sucked into a whirlpool of junk. You know, as we uh, dove into the background, I started to appreciate that uh, that even more. There's, he's, there's he, he's getting the boot there, to be sure. But, <laughs> look at um, look at all those lines. I mean, yeah. how long? Was maybe that maybe that's why some of the other pages look kind of rushed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Do we so think I'm still working? Uh, Dorothy's house back there. It could very yeah. well be. What is the stuff in the top left? It looks oh. like webbing and people hanging out of it. I think it's the like people in a net. Okay, that uh, could be. Uh, it, and, and that's what makes this. I mean, it's a good panel. Uh, it, yeah. It's definitely a good page, Evan. I mean, because there's so much going on. It's mystery after mystery. And I think I would want Bob to explain or Brett to explain. Hey, wh- what are every single one of these references? <laughs> yeah. Please give me the footnotes. Give me the footnotes. All right. I think we've reached the end. By the way, this is your brain on drugs. 1987 was the first airing of that 30-second PSA. Huh. My goodness, it, did it have staying power? Yeah. Uh, so. I would have thought it was earlier, actually. But, yeah, it was around for I – when mean, it got remade, I guess, in the mid-'90s. But, yeah. Yeah. To, to, to wrap up, I really like this story. It's, it's I think it's the first, like, multi-part Sleepwalker story outside of, I think, a two-parter that he had with Sleepwalker, maybe. I mean, with mm-hmm. uh, Spider-Man. It shows kind of, you know, the mindscape stuff, or at least the, the inside of Rick's mind. And it, sh- it showcases a lot of Sleepwalker's powers. And it's got, like, the wacky villains that Sleepwalker's kind of known for. So it's kind of a classic uh, Sleepwalker story to me. Wow. Not as wacky as some of the early villains that he, he dealt yeah. with. But. <laughs> I, I, d- I definitely had fun with it. it. It felt a little... I mean, nowadays, everything gets, uh, you know, multi-part stories, the better to collect in a trade, I guess. You know, it's like Beast gets a hairball, part three of seven. I don't know. It, it was it was a good story. It, it seemed like for, for that time, it was maybe a bit of a stretch to give it a give it a part four of four and things like that. I, I don't know. It was a good story. Didn't quite reach that epic scale that I that I thought the multi-part things were for. But I mean, that's just that's just me being picky. It's, it's a fun story. Yeah. Good message behind it. You know, this is early 90s. Um, and I mean, for an early 90s story, it, it hits on a good spe- a, a good message. Uh, we have an intense like ride here that we're going along with uh, Sleepwalker on all the way through, you know, finding a new drug, becoming a drug addict in some way and then getting over it and then dealing with the consequences of what he's done because of because of that addiction. So, uh, you know, all in all, we get a good message and we get a good story. We get good, some some new villains out of this, you know, for a new character. That's this, you know, just over a year, most likely in his since his debut you can't really ask for anything more all right well let's go ahead we will get into plugs so chris armstrong we'll start with you man uh what do you got going on here lately and what can we expect from you here in the future tell us all about it well you can find me on twitter and instagram at brodyman 34 
Uh, I've got a podcast I do with my buddy AJ where we cover direct-to-video and made-for-TV movies. Uh, it's called Small Screeners. You can find that on any podcast platform. Uh, you can also find uh, Small Screeners on Instagram and Twitter at Small Screeners. What was the last episode you guys did? Because I know I listened to it, but I can't remember. <laughs> uh, the last one we did was on the Second Civil War, which was uh, right. Joe Dante HBO movie from uh, 97, I think. Either later tonight or tomorrow night, we're going to be recording our next episode on Dollman versus Demonic Toys. Oh, Tim Thomerson. That's right, baby. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's great. That is great stuff. All right, Evan Bevins, tell us about uh, where we can. I know we can read you somewhere and i know you've been on some podcasts so uh, let the people know about it well um you can find uh, my blog asterisk 51.blogspot.com i've been uh reading along with the x lives and x deaths of wolverine finally wrapped that up working my way through speaking of 90s comics uh, secret defenders getting it, finally getting into to the new territory after i uh after i fell off uh in in the 90s uh reading it but i've been uh Filling that that run out through the back issues. Check that out, and occasionally, uh, Chris, we might find ourselves viewing the same movie at at some point because I also do a semi regular feature called Dollar Tree Cinema with uh, whatever oh. I can can find uh, at, at the Dollar Tree uh, with some surprisingly good deals every once in a while. Mark and I did did a TV party tonight on Moon Knight a, a while back. And then uh, I know you, you and I have had had to reschedule a, a few. We've got a got a couple coming up uh, at some point. Right. We've got we got to figure out a, a time to uh, to get get those in. Yeah, uh, that's right. Thor volume. Uh, well, it's uh, yeah, it's Thor volume Goddess one. Goddess of right? Thunder volume Goddess one. Of Thunder, thank you. Yeah, uh, we're going to be talking uh, Goddess of Thunder volume one there at some point here pretty soon. Um, we also have. Chris, did you say you wanted us to keep you in mind for like the new Fantastic Four? Yeah, if you need me, I'll, I'll be there for it. I, I like okay. that book. the the two parter. Right. Three parter. Three parter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. All right. So yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be in touch. Wow. Okay. So I have recorded four podcasts. This will be my fourth in the last three days. Oh, so, wow. yeah, we did 23rd. It was Thursday the 23rd. I recorded uh, Unspoken Issues with Dean Compton and Emily Scott, a significant other. We sat down and talked Star Trek, The Next Generation, and X-Men. Uh, so <laughs> that's in the can. Uh, so it, it's, he, uh, Did Mark Silvestri do that? No, Silvestri did the original one. Uh, so oh, okay. the, original, the original series crossover, which gets referenced because it's whatever crazy continuity uh, that mm-hmm. is actually referenced in this. And what's interesting about this is the very end of the issue, the X-Men are dropped off at home and they are like looking off panel and they can't believe what they see. And you have no idea what it is because you have to buy the novel Planet <laughs> X. Oh yeah. I remember that. I don't think I've read it, but I remember that novel. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Jan Friedman, who wrote a ton of Star Trek books also does Planet X. Yeah, it's it's a great setup, and uh, I the story takes place right after first contact. Like I'm saying, a minute, one mm. minute. They say it's one minute later after first contact, the mm. movie. So it's it's decent. I we, we had a good time talking about it. Let me tell you, we got into a discussion about Borg Sentinels. 
and what nice. they meant. Huh. And it was like a 10 minute discussion, like completely out of the blue of, of what they were doing and how neat of a concept it was for these creators to do this. So tune in. That'll be that'll be airing at some point soon. We recorded also TV Party Tonight uh, on Hell of a Boss episodes four, five, six and seven. Alexis Haina and myself discussed that uh, the first four episodes of Hell of a Boss a long time ago. Apparently, it's like, I don't know why, but on the network, animation really does well. Uh, mm. And this this thing gets 100 listens, at least uh, 100 listens or more uh, every I'm going to say every month. It could possibly be every mm. week, but I don't I, I don't. That seems awful high. But I mean, it. it for some reason, animation does really well. You look at the top three podcasts, it's like Hell of a Boss is like number three. Number two is an alternative commentary to Tom and Jerry from the 90s. <laughs> I don't know why, but there it's it's there. And then I think any any I can't remember the, the top animation one, but I'm sure it's them discussing some Pixar film or something like that. Anyway, uh, we a hell of a boss. It's a YouTube series. Go out, check that out. It's uh, it's raunchy. It's it's every single one of them has a warning in the front of what you're getting into. Some language, Evan. We'll just put it that uh, way. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, of course, Source Materials will be airing their discussion on TMNT, The Last Ronin. We finally got together and discussed that five-issue series. Spoilers, folks. I, I mean, there is – this is a great story. So um, just be aware I'm actually, that when you – I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm going to say I'm actually going to read that uh, the week after next. I'm on, I've actually got a vacation uh, nice. uh, week off. Uh, not next week, but the following uh, so I've set aside a bunch of different comics I'm going to read <laughs> during that time. And it's one good, of them is man. It's, it's finally reading The Last Ronin. I yeah, brought, I've, I've read the first two issues of that. I, it's on uh, it's on Hoopla. Yeah, so yeah, man. Been, uh, reading through I, that. I, it was funny because Benjamin, he's an artist that I've had on before. He's been affiliated, say affiliated with the network, but you know we've known him for a while, a long time ago. Him and I did a review or a discussion about the very first Ninja Turtles comic. And so mm. I reached out to him. I was like, dude, do you want to read TM? Uh, you, do you want to read Last Ronin and talk about it? He's like, yeah, I'll read it. I said, he goes, but I don't know how much I'll have to say about it. Dude, we went for more than two hours last night. <laughs> so we had plenty to say. A lot of good fun there. I will go ahead and give a shout out to my buddies over at Kapow. I, I've been on uh, quite a few of their episodes here lately. We did a countdown of our top 20 time travel movies. It's in their feed on YouTube. You can find it. That's it. We've done it. Look for us here pretty soon. We'll be coming back, I'm sure, uh, with uh, the Darkhawk Sleepwalker crossover. We'll be discussing that, and we'll be having a good time. So, for Evan Bevins, for Chris Armstrong, I am Jesse Starcher. We'll be talking to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us. Unspoken Issues is part of the UnspokenDecade.com, the home for 90s comics, blogs, and podcasts. Unspoken Issues also has a Facebook group you can join if you are interested. Just search the Unspoken Issues podcast and request to join. All of this would not be possible without W2Mnet.com and the Rattelich and Broadcasting Network, so make sure to seek them out for more podcasts. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please feel free to share, and we look forward to entertaining you again soon. (laughs) 